Come on, good morning, everybody. How you doing? This summertime, evidently got a few on vacation, but uh, I told you, you can have your week, just be back in your spot, amen. We're going to stand on the promises, and you cannot sit down while you're standing on the promises, amen. So uh, let's stand, if you would, and uh, we're going to start with standing on the promises of God. Everybody ready? Here we go. One, two, three, four. Come on, put your hands together to help us out this morning. Start standing on them, amen. I wanted to do something. All right. I want someone to share a promise of God. Amen. Let's share some promises of it's God. It's testimony time. Somebody share a promise of God that God has done in your life. Boy, how did God's been good, amen. <laughs> Somebody just shout out. Say it again. Amen, amen. Somebody else. Do what? Many things. All right, that's good. Let me help you out. Anybody get up breathing this morning? All right, there you go. He's still breathing, brother. Amen. What else? Anybody drive here in a car today? Anybody here wake up in a bed last night or this morning? Probably last night too, but this morning. Anybody got a roof over your head? 
Woo, amen. It ain't the big stuff. Sometimes we think, well, you know, Brother Mark, he means, you know, did I have lots of money? To do? No, man, you got, you got a roof over your head. You drove here in a car. You got up breathing this morning. God is good all the time and all the time. God is good. Amen. He promises to never leave us That's or right. forsake us. Amen. That is right. I love this song. Tell them a little bit about this song. Well, all my hope is in Jesus. I don't know about you. It's not in this world. It's not Amen. in this government. It's not in me. It's not in him. It's only in Jesus. And um, <clears throat> we need God to turn some things around don't we turn some things around in our life that's not uh, pleasing to him and um, I'm praying for him to be in this place this morning Amen. because he loves us his Holy Spirit to be in this place Amen. and to, to make his will known to us today so that's what we're going to sing about God, turn it around. Amen. Pray and God, come and turn this thing around. God, turn it around. God, turn it around. God, turn it around. I'm calling on the name that changes everything. Let's ask him to God turn it around, God turn it around, God turn it around. All of my hope is in the name, the name of Jesus. Breakthrough will come, come in the name, the name of Jesus. Amen. I pray God. Turn this thing around. Let's ask him. God, turn it around. God, turn it around. God, turn it around. I'm calling on your name. It changes everything. God, turn it around. God, turn it around. God, turn it around. Because all of
sit down, turn that frown upside down. You got up. We've already gone over all this. You got up breathing. You got here this morning. Put a smile on your face. Tell somebody you're glad to see them this morning and tell them you're blessed today. Amen. All right. some good fellowship you can be seated and uh, man we've got some good stuff for you You came on a good day we're gonna try to do some special things during the summer and uh, brother Martin is gonna give you the announcements and then after brother Martin gets through giving you the announcements uh, miss Louisa Hutcherson is gonna come and sing for us a special uh, so don't miss this summer you're gonna miss some special things and Louisa is gonna sing a song and she's gonna do it in English, because she is doing good on her English, amen. And then she's going to sing a little in Spanish for us, amen. So uh, that'll be good. I'm going to teach you how to say amen in Spanish real quick, okay? Amen. <laughs> All right, so uh, do we have any first-time visitors here this morning? If you are, signify it by raising your hand. We just want to mark that you were here today. Um, I don't know about y'all, but uh, I was almost on vacation this morning. It took every bit of uh, God moving me to get me here this morning. But I've always been told when you don't want to come, that's exactly when you need to be here. Amen. So uh, we have Wednesday, a full day on Wednesday. We have Bible study in the fellowship hall from 10 to 11. Have Wednesday night services for the youth. Uh, 6 p.m. Miss Mary normally does a dinner. And 7 p.m. Uh, Brother Mark does a Bible study. Also, we have Sunday school for all ages on Sunday morning. If you've ever wanted to know more about the Bible, Sunday morning, you got to be here anyway. You might as well get up one hour earlier and come learn. Uh, we need volunteers to help with children's and nursery. Uh, see Ginger or Miss Cindy. Um, also, next, golly, is it already June? Father's Day and a church-wide picnic, baptisms next Sunday. If you know anybody that needs to be baptized, just let them know. Um, I guess Brother Mark is maybe going to be dunking them. We're also going to feed everybody. We're going to have some pulled pork, pulled pork sandwiches, watermelon, you know, all the good stuff. Uh, we do need your help, though. We need some water. So if this week when you go to the grocery store, if you'll just pick up an extra water, also some sodas, Dr. Peppers, Cokes, uh, there are three Mexicans in this church, so maybe a little Fanta. Not too much, <laughs> just a little bit. Also, teen camp is coming up. Oh, I'm a month away. But we always need a little bit of help trying to send these kids to church camp. We have had several people step up and sponsor a few kids. I thank you for that. If the Lord moves you, uh, there's times that, you know, some of these kids, they may not have a little bit of... Um, 
I guess, uh, snack money. So Brother Martin steps in, does those things for them. I thank you for your support. Uh, it's going to be July 18th through the 22nd. Also, we're going to have BBS on August 3rd through the 6th. Please see Miss Cindy. Uh, we always need volunteers for all these little angels that come up here. Amen. So, no life recovery class today. I'm running out of breath here. It will resume on June 26th, this Tuesday. This Tuesday, if you're not doing anything in the evening time, we're going to hang solar lights on the poles out here. David is going to be in charge of it, right, David? You got to be here just to watch him climb up on the ladder. That's what I'm looking forward to. I was told you were the one going up. <laughs> Okay, so Tuesday evening at 5.30, if you could be here, we would greatly appreciate it. You know, we're talking about the uh, promises of God, so I wanted to share this with you. I spoke about I wanted to have a shirt like Brother Mike for those, uh, you know, holidays. And so Brother Rusty got me a shirt. So now I have my Brother Mike shirt for Memorial Day for July the 4th, and I am happy, happy, happy. Amen. Promises of God. Amen. Brother Martin, we salute you. Everybody salute him. Amen. <laughs> That's good. That's good. Amen. Well, Miss Louisa Hutcherson, uh, give her a big hand. She's going to come and she's going to sing for you. I'm going to leave that stand there so she can have her words. And it's going to be good. Amen. Holy Spirit called you? No. No.
I'll give you all the Spanish I know. Muy bueno. Amen. It's about the extent of what I know. And as Brother Martin said, amen. Everybody say, amen. Amen. All right. Very good. Well, let's stand one more time, if you would. And we're going to sing, uh, oh, praise him. Let me get my ear in here. Oh, put your hands together.
may be seated.
where we are. Lord, your arms are open for us all the time, that we should run into your arms, God, to just, for comfort, God, for direction, Father. Lord, you are perfect, and I know there's times we question things in our life sometimes, God, but I know above all that you've proven to me that you know what you're doing. You know, you know what you're doing over what I think I know. You see the whole puzzle, the whole completed puzzle, and only see certain pieces, Father. So help us to trust in you and to know it's all for our good, God. You are good to us, and you love us more than we deserve. Father, may we give back that love to you, that we would love you unconditionally, God, because we trust you, Father. Lord, now we ask that you'd be with the messages brought, God. Open our hearts and our minds, that we'd pay attention, and that we would listen to what you have to say to us. God, we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's give a hand, Brother Austin Tant on drums this morning. Brother Jordan Wilcox uh, playing bass this morning for us. Thank you guys so much. Uh, if you have children that would like to go to Children's Church, just send them that way. Miss Cindy and Miss Ginger there and Miss April, they're all there to help you. Give our children's workers a big hand if you would. Always do a great job watching our kids. And uh, boy, it's a good crew this morning, amen. All right. <laughs> well, I'm going to talk to you this morning. I know this is probably for nobody here. Maybe this message is just for me. When you want to give up. Anybody here besides me ever want to give up on a daily basis, every Monday? <laughs> uh, listen, uh, we all hit a wall sometimes, don't we? Don't we? Uh, and there are going to be days that you're just going to want to give up. You're going to want to quit. What happens if we all just decide we're just going to all quit, though? Nothing. Nothing happens, nothing gets accomplished, and the cause of Christ can really stop. You know, we, we live in a culture today where a lot of people want to quit church. A lot of people are like, you know what, I, uh, I'm okay with Jesus, and I will continue to pray, and I will continue to read my Bible, but down there at the church house, somebody said something hurt my feelings. You poor buttercup, amen. Somebody did something I didn't like. The preacher didn't even shake my hand. That's from an old gospel song, amen, uh, called Excuses. Uh, all these excuses why people want to quit the church. And I'm here to tell you today, the church is an imperfect entity, amen. Why is the church an imperfect entity? Because it's made up of people, amen. And people are imperfect. And people are going to say things and do things. And even if they don't mean to say things and do things, there's a guy called the devil. He will get in there and he will make them say things and do things they didn't mean. And I can guarantee you, if you come to church looking to get your feelings hurt, I can guarantee you 100% you're going to get your feelings hurt. Amen. 
you're wearing them shoulder, uh, feelings on your sleeve, if you're looking for somebody, the devil will make sure that you will find that. And many people today just say, that's it. I'm quitting. I give up on the church. Well, guess what? Jesus has something to say about the church. Jesus himself said that, uh, that he gave himself up for the church. And he, there's a comparison that's supposed to be to, between the church and Jesus Christ. Here's what Jesus said about the church, that she, the church is my bride, and I am the bridegroom. You remember that day you got married, all you married people in here? Sweaty palms, cold feet, amen? And it was a big day, big decision, amen? Big commitment, big commitment. The dirty C word, commitment, that's a dirty word today, commitment, amen? But you were committing yourself to this person, and if you go by the vows that you said, most of you said, uh, that commitment is supposed to be until what separates you? Death. That means a commitment for a lifetime. And it's funny to me that the very comparison that's supposed to be between you and the church is the same as those wedding vows. When you commit yourself to Jesus Christ and you commit yourself to his church, Jesus himself said, the church is my bride. So therefore, he says, I'm committing myself to you and you're committing yourself to me. And it's supposed to be the exact same commitment. I commit myself to Jesus Christ and I commit myself to the church until death shall separate us but many people today in the same way that many people just give up on their marriages you know how people treat marriage today i'm gonna to be married to you and i'm gonna love you until you make me mad amen the first time you and i get crossways i'm bailing amen what's going to happen if that's your attitude you're gonna be lucky to be married a week amen you're going to bail real quick. If you enter marriage with the attitude that as soon as you make me mad, I'm filing for divorce, you ain't going to be married very long. Because guess what? Your spouse, I know this is a real shocker to you, your spouse, you're not always going to like them. My wife, in fact, probably doesn't like me most of the time. Amen? <laughs> She'll say amen to that. But... When you commit yourself to someone, what you're saying is, I'm not going to like you some days. But even on the days, and especially on the days when I don't like you, I choose to love you. And I choose to be married to you until death shall separate us. And guess what? It's that same picture that Jesus gives about that the church is the bride and he is the bridegroom. Now, do you think you have to worry about Jesus' commitment to you? No. So guess what? You only got to worry about one side of it. And that's my commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ and my commitment to the church. Amen. Because I'm a part of the bride and I choose to be a part of the bride and I choose to be a part of the bride until death shall separate us. That means there's no quitting. There's no quitting. No quitting. I tell people this and I'm doing some marriage counseling right now. And I tell this couple, they're not married yet. I tell them, I'm going to give you some words of wisdom and number one is pray together. Start right now. Pray together. Because it's hard to be mad at somebody when they're across the table praying for you. And then second thing is this, is that uh, you need to learn to be committed to that person. And you need to learn that uh, divorce should never be in your vocabulary. The word divorce should never be in your vocabulary. Because the minute that the word divorce comes up in your vocabulary... 
the devil uses that and it becomes an option in the back of your mind. Guess what? I committed to my wife, and I'm going to guess that most people in here took the same vows I did. I committed to my wife that I am here for you, and I'm here with you. I'm in it for the long haul till death, till death separates us. That means I am completely, totally, 100% in, 100% committed. That should be our same attitude towards Jesus Christ in the church. I'm in, Lord. I know they're going to make me mad sometimes. I know they're not going to hurt my feelings. I know that not everything is going to go the way that I think it ought to go. I know that sometimes uh, even Brother Mark may hurt my feelings or he may say something I don't agree with or I don't agree with the way the church did this. None of that matters in the same way that marriage does not always go your way. And sometimes somebody has to be the bigger person and somebody has to say, I'm sorry. And somebody has to be the one to say, you know what? We're not going to be, we're not going to go through marriage like this. And so let's sit down and let's, let's pray about this. Let's talk about this. Amen. That is the same way that we are to do it. I'm here to tell you today, there should be no quitters. There's no retirement plan in the church. Some of you older people may think it's, you're retired. You are not retired in the house of God. Amen. God's retirement plan is, I'll let you know, the day you get up and you're not breathing anymore, uh, or you're not getting up because you're not breathing. Uh, but that, that's the day. That's the retirement plan. Amen? Until then, you're breathing. you got breath in your lungs. You can pray. You can be active. You can be in your spot. Now, I'll tell you this. Quite honestly, the older people, the older generation, is the foundation of this church. They are here. They're, the, they're still, to this day, the most consistent uh, in their attendance, in their giving, and in, in their service and everything in the church. How many of you here today, I just thought I'd do a little poll here. How many of you today are 70 years or above? Raise your hand. Look around, 70 years or above. These are the foundation of the church. Now, I'm not trying to be morbid or anything, but guess what? These folks, they're in the final chapters. I don't think I'm telling them anything they don't know. Amen? You only get, you only get a certain amount of years. And so... They will be moving on. My question becomes, who takes their place? Because every generation that's come after this, and by the way, y'all are a great generation because you still know what commitment is. You still know what being devoted is. I'm here to tell you, most of these uh, people 70 above, they learned how to tithe when they made really good money. And guess what? They still are faithful to tithe even when they're on a fixed income. They're still faithful to be in their spot just about every Sunday. They're still faithful to be here and to be committed to Jesus Christ. But you know what happens? As each generation comes after them, we get less and less committed. We get less and less. We're, just, we're more prone to be quitters, quite honestly. And I include my generation in that. And so we live in a culture that unfortunately is a bunch of quitters. If things get rough, I just bail. You know, maybe I committed to something and it got hard and I just, I just stopped showing up. I'm ashamed to tell you all this, but one of my first jobs, uh, I was still in high school and I went to work. Y'all remember the, when the hot biscuit was over there uh, on the, the loop and uh, the north loop over there? One of my first jobs, I went to wash dishes at the hot biscuit. Now, I was still going to school at that time, so I had to get up, you know, at Six or seven in the morning. Well, they, they failed to tell me that, uh, you know, uh, at that time, Hot Biscuit was a 24-hour restaurant, I believe. And so they brought that last shift of pots and pans and dishes in around midnight. And they said, you don't get to go home till all of those pots and pans and all those dishes are clean. 
Well, I, that, that first night, I was there uh, till about 3, 4 in the morning, and then I still had to get up and go to school the next day. I had to get up around 6, 30, 7 o'clock in the morning. Well, I'm ashamed to tell you, I didn't call nobody. I didn't give notice. I just, I decided right then and there, I was quitting. And I, to this day, I'm sorry, Hot Biscuit. Uh, I don't think they're in business anymore, but uh, I'm sorry. I, I, I quit. I mean, I just quit. I didn't go back. I didn't, I didn't give a notice or nothing. Now, granted, I, what happened, I didn't know the full extent of the cost of doing that. I didn't know that I was going to have to be there until 3 or 4 in the morning. But here's the thing we need to understand. Uh, sometimes when times get rough, we just want to throw in the towel and we just want to quit. And unfortunately, we get very, very accustomed to doing that. Maybe in your life you've had goals, dreams, visions, and you started them, but then you hit a wall. You're always going to hit a wall. Can I share that with you right off the bat? You're always going to hit a wall. You're always going to hit resistance. The minute you set your mind to do something to better yourself, you're always going to hit a wall. You're always going to hit resistance. And when you hit resistance, you just stalled. You just stalled. And um, you, uh, you did little to no progress. Sorry, I can't read my own handwriting. Uh, you became discouraged, and you felt like giving up. Maybe it was in a relationship. Maybe it's a relationship that has been damaged, and you tried to restore that relationship and now it seems like it's just worse than before. It doesn't seem to have gotten any better. Or maybe you're fighting for your marriage. Maybe your marriage is just hanging on by a thread, and you just seem like you're, you're running out of fight. I just can't fight this battle anymore. I, just, I feel like I just want to quit trying. Or maybe you've been believing for a miracle. Maybe you've got a prodigal child, and you've been praying for that prodigal child. Maybe you've been praying for healing in your own life or somebody else's life. Maybe you've been praying. Maybe you've put yourself in a financial bind, and you've been praying, Lord, help me get out of this, and it just does not seem uh, to be happening. Maybe you are struggling with an addiction, and you prayed, Father, please remove this addiction from me. Remove the desire for it, and he doesn't, and it just seems like you're struggling, and you're struggling, and you're struggling. Can I tell you today, it's easy to want to quit. And the devil wants to wear you down. Part of his strategy is to wear you down. And so you must not give up. When you want to give up, this is going to seem real simple, but it's, the, it's still the most powerful weapon you and I have. When you want to give up, pray. When you want to worry, pray. When you get overwhelmed with anxiety, Pray. When, it, when things seem to be unraveling and falling apart, pray. It is still your strongest weapon to this day. Uh, there's a word that I want to give you, and the word is this. And again, it's not a word that's used a lot. Perseverance. Perseverance. Perseverance, the uh, uh, definition is this. Drive to finish. Refusal to quit. Why do successful people succeed and others don't? Did you know that most, uh, most millionaires ended up filing bankruptcy several times before they became millionaires? Did you know that many business owners who are successful now started by failing two, three, four times? But what's the difference between people who succeeded? No, it's the ones who persevere, the ones who say, you know what, I'm just going to take what I learned from that failure 
And I'm just going to punch on through, and I'm just going to keep on going. And they just keep on. And every time they fail, they learn from their failures. They learn what not to do, and they just keep persevering, persevering, persevering. And then once they get to the other side, it's like a light bulb comes on, and they go, okay, I figured it out. But they had to go through all those failures and persevere and push through to learn those things, okay? There's a word, one of my favorite Western movies, um, and I, they remade it a few years ago, but you remember the original with John Wayne was True Grit. Anybody remember that, that movie? True Grit. Here's the definition for grit. Strength of character that refuses to quit. You and I, we need some more grit. Amen. Again, you know what, what has happened with each generation as we go? We get softer and softer and softer, and we just we quit too easy. We don't want to push through. We just, we just want to give up. Um, here's what a teacher said one time. Uh, this was a teacher who taught the cross-country team. You ever run cross-country? Raise your hand if you ran cross-country. My hand is raised, but I'm lying to you. I did not run. Look at this body. I did not run cross-country. Amen. But what does cross-country require? Cross-country ain't the 100-yard dash, is it? It's not about who's fastest. If you run cross-country, you're going to have to have some endurance. And so a cross-country teacher said this. In, uh, sorry, again, can't read my own handwriting. Enthusiasm is common. In other words, this coach is saying, Beginning of cross-country season, whoo, everybody showed up, and they got their little running shorts on, and they are enthusiastic. They are ready to go. I want to be on the cross-country team. And then they start running. And every day, you know, they'll start them off kind of warming them up, and they'll run a certain distance. Then the next day, they're running a longer distance. And what happens is that enthusiasm fades. And that coach said, enthusiasm is common, but endurance is rare. Amen. We can all be enthusiastic. You get an idea in your head, I'm going to start a business. By golly, I'm as smart as the next guy. I'm going to start a business. And you start, and somebody says, well, you got to have this amount of money, so you need to go down and do this. And guess what? you got to have a business plan, so put a business plan. Business plan? That sounds like a lot of work. Uh, you mean I'm going to have to get on a computer, come up with a business plan. Uh, I'm going to have to go down to the bank. I'm going to have to fight to get a loan. I'm going to have to do all this you know what, I don't think I want to start a business. And that's a lot of times that's the way we approach it, isn't it? Uh, we have these dreams. Enthusiasm is common. We all can get excited about an idea, but when it comes time to put in the work to make the idea a reality, many of us, we just drop it. And that's unfortunate. That's exactly how many of us handle it, okay? Uh, when I commit, I don't quit. I am a finisher. Write that down or take a picture of it because that is the attitude every one of us needs to have. When I commit, I don't quit. I am a finisher. I see things through, and I see them to the end. You need to approach your marriage that way. You need to approach your job that way. You need to approach your Christian life that way. You don't need to quit. When you commit, don't quit. Finish it. The Apostle Paul, we're going to read some verses that the Apostle Paul said, and he many times likened it to a race, and it's not a 100-yard dash. Again, it's an endurance race. It's for the long haul. Amen. All right. Um, let's look at, uh, speaking of Paul, he was writing a letter in 2 Timothy chapter 4, and it's interesting to note when he writes this letter to his friend Timothy, he is awaiting execution. They are fixing, they're getting ready to behead uh, Paul take his head off 
And so he's in a dungeon, a prison dungeon, and he writes to Timothy, and this is in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 5 through 7. And he encourages Timothy. He's fixing to have his head lopped off, and he's encouraging Timothy. And he says, but you be watchful in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure is at hand. And I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race, and I have kept the faith. And Paul realizes he's coming to the end. But guess what? Paul ain't gone yet, and he's using even his last breath. He is in a prison dungeon awaiting to get his head chopped off, and he's using every last minute writing this letter to encourage his brother Timothy. And he says, I'm coming to the end of my life. I'm fixing to be poured out as a drink offering. And I realize that. I understand that. But I'm here to tell you, I'm telling you, keep on pushing on. Because I've run the race. He's at the end of his life. He realizes he's at the end of his life. And he says, I have run the race. I have run the race. I have fought a good fight. And I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now, can I say this to you? That's Paul giving his resume at the end. He knows he's almost done. Can I tell you today, you ain't dead yet. I don't think you're awaiting to have your head chopped off. So guess what? You still have more time. You still have more breath in your lungs. And God says, it's not time. Your race is not over. Paul's race was fixing to be over. But guess what? I'm telling you today, your race is not over. Now, granted, none of us are promised tomorrow. You don't know how long your race is. You don't know how much longer you've got. I don't know that either. So what is the premise? The premise is this, that I need to run every day as if it might be the last day. Amen. Run every day as if it might be the last day. If you're discouraged, don't give up. You're not dead. You're not done. I want to encourage you with this. There's more to do. There's more to give. There's more people to help. There's more ministries to start. There's more businesses to launch. There's more hope to share. There's more friendships to make. There are more addictions to break. Mm. You know, a lot of people today, I was telling the Sunday school class this today, uh, because people today, they don't even have time to give God one hour a week. Now, I'm the preacher, and I, I get to hear all the excuses. But I'm here to tell you, I get the flesh sometimes. I know it's hard for you all to believe. But I get in the flesh sometimes. I try to be real spiritual and diplomatic most of the time. But some days I want to get in the flesh. And people tell me, you know, Brother Mark, I'd like to make it every Sunday. But I'm going to be honest with you. It's hard for me to make it one time a month. And in the flesh, what I want to say is, really? Really? That's all you got to give God? One hour a month? Can I ask you this? What did Jesus give you on the cross? 100%. 100%. Well, Brother Mark, you don't understand. Sunday's my only day off, and I got to go to the grocery store. I got to get all my errands done. It's my one day, and I just want to get in the flesh and say, really? Really? One hour? You can't drag your sorry tail out of bed and get down here by 11 a.m. and give him one hour? Really? He went to the cross for you? He gave it all? And you can't give 10%? Now, many of us, we hear tithe, we automatically go to money. But I'm here to tell you, the tithe is not just about money. It's about your time. It's about your service. 
And I'm here to tell you, most people would say, Brother Mark, I'd like to, but I can't give it. I can't give 10% of my income. I can't give 10% of my time. I can't serve 10% of my time. And I just want to say, really? Really? He went to the cross. He went 100%, and you can't drag up 10%? Really? Really? But I'm, I'm spiritual most of the time. <laughs> and I don't get the flesh. But I wanted to share with you sometimes what's really going through my mind. Amen. Because I want to say, Jesus did it all for you. Jesus paid it all. He paid a debt he did not owe. You owed a debt you could not pay. I needed someone to wash my sins away. And he went all the way to the cross for you. This is why, man, this message is just upsetting because we just quit so easy. Churches are struggling, not just our church, every church. COVID, it was already bad. The devil just used it to ramp things up. People were already leaving in droves. Guess what? They leaving quicker. More excuses. We didn't need more excuses. The devil gave us more excuses. I'm here to tell you. And it's not just, it's every church. I have lots of preacher friends. And almost every preacher friend of mine says, oh, we're, we're off by at least 30 to 50% of what we were before COVID. And I'm here to tell you, what happened was the devil just used it. More excuses, more laziness, less commitment. Can I tell you this? If we all quit, and I'm just going to hone in on the church for a second. But if we all quit the church, the church dies. What happens if the church dies? Can I tell you this? Christianity's in trouble. The church dies. Because God designed it where we need each other. I posted on Facebook a, a meme, and it had a little zebra that had wandered off from the herd. And it labels, uh, it labels the little zebra that's wandered off, one who's left the church. And then there's a lion come at him, and it labels him Satan. It says there's, he's like a lion roaring, seeking whom he may devour. What do lions do? They won't attack the herd because the herd can hurt them. So they wait for that one that's most vulnerable and that one that's wandered off, that one that's kind of left the herd, and they see that that one's weak and vulnerable, and that's the one they attack. Can I tell you the same way? You leave the church, Satan can have a heyday. And I, I hear, again, I hear all the excuses. Well, Brother Mark, you know, I can still pray, and I can still read my Bible out on the lake, and out there in the deer stand, do all that. You sure can. But guess what? You just, you, that's not the way God intended it to be. And you cannot be encouraged. You cannot be lifted up. You cannot be held accountable out there by yourself. Amen? We were designed to need each other. And... When we get lazy and we have a lack of commitment and we can't get down here but one hour a month, what does that mean? That makes you weaker and weaker and weaker and more vulnerable. The reason Christians were stronger 20, 30, 40 years ago is because they spent more time in the house of God. They spent more time with God's people. Brother Mark, this is a mighty hard sermon. I know, I know. But guess what? My job, I've said it before. I'm, my job's the mailman. I'm delivering you the truth. This is what the Word of God says. You and I need each other. And the minute we isolate ourselves, we are in trouble. The minute that you leave the house of God and you leave the people of God, you're in trouble. Commit yourself unto the Lord. Commit all your ways to Him. The Bible says, and He will direct your paths. Amen? You must commit yourself. I know it's a dirty word. There's a guy that wrote a book. 
named David Allen, and he wrote a book called Getting Things Done. And here's what he said. I thought, I thought this was very interesting. Much of the stress that people feel doesn't come from having too much to do. It comes from not finishing what they've started. Man, that's huge, isn't it? Yeah, that's a good comment. You need to and even maybe go get the book. Much of the stress that people feel does not come from having too much to do. That's the excuse most of us give. Brother Mark, I just got too much to do. I'm too busy. I can't come to church as much as I want to. I can't serve as much as I want to. I can't give like I want to. I just have too much to do. This guy's saying, he's calling it out. He's saying, it ain't because you got too much to do. It's because you've not finished what you've started. God has called us all to do a few things. We, none of us can do all things. We cannot be all things. We cannot do all things. But I, I'm not telling you anything you don't know. God has called each of us to specific things. And much of our frustration comes because we know that God has called us to do things. We know that God has called us to be faithful in certain things. And we're frustrated ourselves because we can't do it. We've said yes to too many things we should have said no to. And we've said no to too many things we should have said yes to. You must pray. You must pray for discernment. And you must say, what does God want me to do? And say yes to those things and everything else, say no to it. This is a hard sermon, people. It's a hard sermon, preaching it right back at myself. But every no means there's something that you can say yes to that you need to say yes to it. And the, the determining factor is God. If God called you to do it and God put it on your mind and heart, say yes to it. Everything else becomes inconsequential and secondary. Say no to it. And if you say yes to things you should say no to, you're not leaving enough time to the things you should have said yes to. That's where the stress comes from, okay? Let me ask you a question. What is your unfinished business? Because everybody in here has got it. I'm going to give you some examples. Heal a broken relationship. Some of you got relationships that need to be mended. Jesus said that he came to have a ministry of reconciliation. Jesus' job was he came so that you and I could be reconciled to the Father through him. So he said, I've come to have a ministry of reconciliation to get you in a right relationship with my Father, and it comes through me. But then he turns right around and he says, and I also have given you the ministry of reconciliation. So you are to be at peace with all people, and you are to make sure all of your relationships are right. Well, guess what? Some of us, we got broken relationships, and they are not right, and they need to be right. And I'm not saying you need to be right, because most of us, we want to be right, and the reason we're mad at people is because, well, I was right, and you were wrong. That has absolutely nothing to do with it. Can I say this? Some of you need to swallow your pride and just say, you know what? This relationship means more to me than being right. I don't care who's right. You're my brother. You're my sister. You're my mom. You're my dad. You're my friend who used to be the dearest friend that I have, and I don't care who is right or wrong. If I got to be the one to say I was wrong, even if I don't think I was wrong, I'm going to be the one to say, I was wrong. Please forgive me. Let's restore this relationship. Somebody's got to be the bigger man or woman, and somebody's got to care more about restoring relationships than they do about whether they're right or wrong. In the long run, does it really matter whether you were right or wrong? In 99.9% .9 of it, no. So... Think more about relationships than about being right. Um, many of you know there's somebody you need to share your faith with. Some of you have lost people right in your own family. Some of you have lost people right at your job, living right around you, neighbors. You know 
that you need to share your faith, but you've just been fearful. You need to get some courage. Share your faith. Many of you know you need to give what God told you. And that's not just the tithe, but sometimes God's telling you, God told me to give away a Toyota Camry one time. I think I probably told this story. We had a Toyota Camry. I wrecked the door, and it was an old Toyota Camry. Uh, but I went down. The insurance company totaled it. I went down to the junkyard, got a new door, put a new door on it. It drove just fine. The door didn't affect how it drove. So I'm driving that little car around. I'm like, whew, I'm going to get another 10 years out of this thing. And I get to the church. I mean, literally, after I've had the wreck, I literally drive to the church office, and there's a single mom in there with three kids going, yeah, I got a job, but I, I, I can't take the job. I, I need the job to feed my three kids, but I don't have a car. I don't have any way to get to the job. I don't have any way to get my kids to, to my mom so she can watch them while I work. And I just I guess I'm not going to be able to, to take the job. And God just kind of taps me on the shoulder. He says, hey, you just got a car, and you just got paid for a car that still runs, and you just put another door on it. Give her that car. And I was like, I don't want to do that. Lord, I, I was going to get another 10 years out of that car, amen? And God says, you need to give that lady that car. And so luckily my wife wasn't there to talk me out of it. Uh, and I said, you know what? I got a car, and uh, if you need that car, I will give you that car. Now, I don't know how long that lady drove that car, but she was able to get to her job and get her kids where they needed to get, and I hope she got to drive it another 10 years, amen? But that's what God does, amen? And I don't say that to... Pat me on the back. I'm just saying sometimes God taps you on the shoulder, and you know he's tapping you on the shoulder, Ooh, but it's easy to talk yourself out of it, isn't it? It's easy to talk yourself out of it. Many of you know you need to go back to school. Miss Julie Arnold, uh, man, I'm so proud of her. You know, She decided, I'm going to go back to school. I want to do better. I want a better job. She goes back to school, finishes college. Many of you know God's calling you that. God's calling you if you want a better life, you got to sacrifice to do what it takes to have a better life. Um, some of you know that uh, I need to join that Bible study. I need to learn more about God's Word. I need to, here, hello, Brother Martin already said it. I need to get my tail up to the church an hour earlier on Sunday morning at 10 a.m., and there's a Bible study that breaks it all down and explains it to me. Amen? Uh, there's a Wednesday morning Bible study. Maybe you have a Bible study at work that happens in a break room at work. I've led some of those before. Uh, whatever it is. I know that I need to do that, but I'm just going to have to commit myself to do it. Uh, many of you know you need to serve here at church. we got Vacation Bible School. Brother Martin's got a teen camp coming up. Everybody needs help. That We need help every week in the kids' ministry. Uh, many of you know God is calling you to serve. Maybe, again, maybe God's calling you to launch a business. You've always had a dream to start a business. Maybe you've always said, Lord, I need to lose weight and get healthier. Uh-oh. It's getting personal now, amen? But uh, we, you can't do it without committing to it. Uh, if you don't commit to lose weight and you don't commit to the diet, how long are you going to stay on the diet? I usually last about a day or two, amen? Some of you, and here's, again, going back to what I already talked about, some of you need to apologize. You know what one of the first things to do if you ever go through Celebrate Recovery or Alcoholics Anonymous or anything of that? One of the hardest steps where most people stop is, is making amends with people you hurt. There's a step in there that after you've been in it about two or three weeks, they tell you, all right, now you need to go. You know when you was a drunk or when you was a drug head or when you was doing this, you did some really stupid things and you hurt some people. 
So the, this step is you got to go back to those people and just say, you know what, I'm sorry. I did this, and maybe it was many years ago. I did this, and it hurt you, and I asked for forgiveness. I apologize. And you know where most people stop their recovery? <laughs> that step right there. Because most people are like, oh, no, 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 no. That's too hard. I ain't doing that. Amen. But it, it takes humility. It takes swallowing your pride. Amen. Uh, other unfinished. And so uh, let me go to the next scripture, and I'll wrap this up. 2 Corinthians 8, 10, and 11 says, and in this, in this I give advice. It is to your advantage not only to be doing what you began and were desiring to do a year ago, but now you also must complete the doing of it. That is, there was a readiness to desire it, so there also may be a completion out of what you have. What is that saying? That's saying you can't just think about it. There's dreaming about it and there's thinking about it, but if you don't actually do the action to complete it, you haven't done anything. I know a lot of people that are good talkers, good dreamers. I'm going to do this one day. I'm, I tell you, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. And they never do it. Talk is cheap. And until you step forward and do it, none of it really matters anyway. You can have that vision and dream all your life and never have put the action to get it done. All right? Um, let's see here. Every I'm just going to give you several things that are just wisdom right here. Every decision you make is a vote towards your future, good or bad, okay? Uh, when you decide to quit, you're voting that you don't have what it takes. Many of us, we quit, and we're just saying, I don't think I can do it. I don't think I'm good enough. I don't think I'm smart enough. I don't think I have what it takes to do it. This is why many people struggle, no self-esteem. You know what? God says you can do it, you are worthy of it, and you are good enough to do it. Just do it, okay? And then last, and I hope this is the way you see me because this is what I want to say to you. You may see me struggle, but you won't see me quit. When I commit, I don't quit. I'm a finisher. You've heard me say many times, there are many Sundays, I'm like, God, I don't got nothing. I don't got nothing to give these people today. But you know what? I just keep showing up and keep showing up because it's what God called me to do. And I have to be faithful even on the days I don't feel like being faithful. Amen? He has called me to it, and I must go through it. Okay? I'm not a quitter. When I commit, I don't quit. Amen? Uh, even in ministry, a lot of guys, they serve two, two years in a church. They're going to the next church. And they, why? Because they just, you know, you can stay excited for a couple years, and you can... Uh, use all your bright ideas for about two years, then you start to run out of your ideas, so you got to move to the next place. And I'm here to tell you, uh, every ministry I've had, again, not to pat myself on the back, but I, I just believe you can't really get to know people and, and have an effect on people. It takes two years, really, for people to even trust you. And so every church I've been at, I've been there 10 years plus. Because I'm here to tell you, when God calls you to it, he ain't going to move you uh, most of the time it's us saying, I can't do this anymore. I can't quit. I got to go somewhere else where they don't know me and I can start over again. And that's not right. God says to persevere and go through it. Last scripture, Acts 20, 24. But none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself, so that I may finish my race with joy and the ministry which I receive from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. All right? I don't count my life. Here's the reason you can say I'm not going to quit 
is because you're not running the race for yourself. You're running the race for God. You're running the race for your spouse. You're running the race for your family. Why? Because everybody benefits. If I'm a better person, if I'm a better version of me, when I get close to God, then who benefits? I benefit, my wife benefits, my family benefits, my church benefits, everybody around me benefits. So I'm not running the race for myself. I'm really running the race for everybody around me. Because many people think, well, you know, I got this addiction or I got this sin, but it ain't hurting nobody. That's a lie. That's straight from the devil. Everything you do, whether it be good or bad, it is affecting everybody around you. And many times your family sees it more than anybody, and you just, you're just oblivious to it. You think you've got them all fooled, and they all know exactly what's going on. I'm here to tell you, none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself, so that I may finish my race with joy. I'm going to tell this story. Julie's going to come while I tell this story. I'm going to end with this. There was a 400-meter a runner in the 1992 Barcelona Olympics. And you can go on YouTube and you can see the video uh, if you want to see it. But it happened at the 1992 Barcelona Olympics. It was a guy named Derek Redman. Derek Redman was uh, in the 400 meters and uh, he had trained. You know, when you train for the Olympics, you're training with everything you got. And uh, he had spent four years of his life training for this event. He gets to the event. You know, that's what always killed me, especially about the track and field events. These people have trained for four years, and it's going to be over like that. And all of that four years goes into that one moment. Well, you know what happens? Derek Redmond starts to run the race, and about halfway through the 400 meters, Derek Redmond's hamstring snaps. And when your hamstring snaps, you can't stand. And so Derek Redmond goes down on the track and the crowd just kind of you know just sucks the air out of the crowd and they can't believe this has happened and the poor guy's struggling he can't even get back up on his feet because his hamstrings torn and so if you watch the video if you can find it uh, you see somebody coming down out of the stands out of the crowd and it's Derek Redman's father and this guy had spent four years training his whole life and in a moment his dreams are shattered. His dreams are dashed. But his dad knows that he says, you've trained all this time, and you're going to finish that race. And so his dad comes down out of the stands, runs onto the track. They allow him onto the track, and Derek Redmond's father picks him up, puts his arm around his shoulder, and he carries him the rest of those 400 meters because he knew his son had committed to finish that race. And by golly, he was going to finish that race no matter what. Can I tell you this? You don't run alone. The reason I can tell you it's worth it not to quit is because you're not running alone. Your father's running with you. And when you stumble, when you fall, your father's there to literally pick you up and carry you across the finish line. Don't quit. Don't quit. Don't stop. Every week you want to quit. Every time I commit myself to do something for God, the devil beats me upside the head and I just want to quit. Don't quit. Because everybody wants to quit. I'm here to testify to you. Everybody wants to quit, but you must persevere. Bow your head and close your eyes if you would. Maybe you're here this morning and you say, Brother Mark, I've never committed myself to Jesus Christ. Or maybe you would say, Brother Mark, I got saved a long time ago, but I haven't been living for the Lord like I should, and I need to recommit myself. The good thing is he is always as close as a prayer away. 
So if that's you today and you need to recommit yourself to him or commit for the first time, pray this prayer in your heart, your mind, and your spirit. Say, Dear Jesus, I admit that I'm a sinner, and I believe that you died on that cross for my sins. Lord, and right now, the best way I know how, I ask you to forgive me of my sins and save me. Lord, I want to serve you with all of my life. I want to make a difference. I want to commit myself to you. Now, every head still bowed, every eye closed. I would never want to embarrass you, but I would love to pray for you. If you prayed that prayer as a recommitment or as a prayer of salvation for the first time, would you just lift up a hand so I could pray for you? Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else? Now, how many of you today would just say, Brother Mark, I need to be more committed. I, need, I know the Lord gave it all for me, and I struggle. Would you pray for me to give more uh, and to be more for him? Would you just lift up a hand? pray for you. Thank you. Thank you. Well, we're going to have a time to respond to that. The altar is going to be open. Brother Martin's going to be on this side. He would love to pray for you. I'm going to be on this side. I would love to pray for you. You just need to come and pray. If you need to come and join the church, whatever needs you might have today. Father, I just ask today that you would have your will and your way, that we would commit ourselves to you. Uh, Lord, that we would, uh, Lord, commit till death so separates us, God. And we want to commit ourselves to you and to the church. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's all stand. Julie's going to lead us in a song, and uh, you come if you need prayer today. sing that chorus. I surrender all. Amen.
appreciate your attentiveness. I know I say this about a lot of sermons, but that true that was a hard sermon to preach. Uh, you may say, well, that was a hard uh, sermon to hear, but I'm here to tell you, it's all, those are hard ones to preach too because I'm preaching it myself just as much as I'm preaching to you. But I would, I would encourage you, uh, the church needs you now more than ever. Christ needs you now more than ever. Uh, the gospel needs you now more than ever. This world needs us now more than ever. It needs Jesus, and we are the hands and feet of Jesus. It needs, it's not a time to quit. It's not a time to fade back. It's not a time to make excuses. It's a time to step up, and we need to be the church. I believe the next few years will be a turning point, and the church is at a cusp of that. And what we decide and how we decide to respond is going to dictate what happens over the next few years. I believe that. So, man, don't forget, next Sunday, bring Daddy here. We're going to give him a free gift. We're going to pray over him. Then we're going to feed you and him for free. And then you can take him out to dinner after that's over. Amen. Uh, we are going to have our big uh, church-wide picnic uh, out at uh, the Green Acres Center. We'll have uh, directions uh, next week if you need to know how to get there. If you need to be baptized, we're going to be baptizing out there. Uh, just let me know, and uh, I will personally be dunking you uh, there. So uh, we'll have a good time in the Lord. Bring somebody with you. Amen. There's a bunch of, I just freshened them up. I put all those invitation cards out there. I know it's summer. I know it's uh, even a little bit harder for you to get here, much less get your friends here. But summertime's a great time to invite people. Uh, so take some of those invite cards on that back table with you. God bless you. I hope you have a great rest of your day, and we will see you next Sunday.